technology is wonderful when it works. <laughs> when it doesn't, it's, it's, it's a challenge. But um, one of our prophetic intercessors sent me a dream last night that she had about Brazil. And I just wanted to share that so that we could just stand in agreement um, with what the Lord has shown. And what he showed her was, she said, I was in a dead sleep. And the Lord showed me in my dream this aerial view of the country of Brazil with a river of fire that was flowing through the center of the country. I saw how this river ignited the Christians throughout the country with new life and vitality. And I think that's very powerful. I mean, we spoke a lot about the river while we were there and we activated and, and we know that the river is flowing. And so we just call that forth and we call forth his fire and just, just, I mean, fire spreads, right? And so we just, we really do just stand in agreement that the message of the saints and what God is doing there by the Spirit will just spread just like wildfire, amen? And that that fire, that that river will bring life and vitality to all those there, amen? So now we're going to talk about France, and this is very near and dear to my heart. Um, it's been since November 2019, I think, the last time that I was there. And you all know that um, I'm very homesick. And sorry. <laughs> very grateful, very thankful for the opportunity to actually be back in that land amongst our French-speaking saints from all over Western Europe. Um, we, are, we are family, and they are so connected and so engaged with what God is doing from this house and throughout the houses of the saints. They are faithful in intercession. They, they have towed the line. They have stood in the midst of isolation, you know, France was really hard during the, the lockdown. I mean, we think it was hard here. It was intensified there with the rules and the regulations and things like that. But um, what a blessing it is that the Lord, in his timing, has opened that door for us to go back in to have a national seminar. It is not going to be like we had done before for how 15, 18 years. It's going to be a different kind of seminar. It's, you know, the Lord has called us to go and to pray with them and to pray some more and then to intercede and to hear from the Lord and to pray some more. And we are going to be doing some teaching, some very directed things that the Lord has put on our hearts to guide and to direct them in the, in, in the way that the Lord wants to lead further. But not only that, to position them where they are and, and to really position them in a place to establish formation for them to go forward as an army um, before the Lord. And so there's so much unity there between the countries, which is really a beautiful thing to see. And so I, I just, I personally, and on behalf of the Father and his, his will and his plan, his intentions for what he wants to accomplish this next week in France and then going forward throughout the Western um, European nations, that you would stand with us. The, you know, this, this is the burden of the Father's heart, and this is the burden of this house 
for many, many years that we see um, the message of the saints go forth throughout Western Europe and for intercession to be established. And so this is our calling. And, and, and so you go with us. And so a couple things I would just like to specifically ask for you to pray for. First of all, we spent many, many years really establishing a team there in France of, of people that are there, that are stepping into points of leadership. And we just, this is very much a leadership conference. And so we're asking for your prayers that you would pray for them, that they would step up to the plate and that they would accept the commissioning that God has given to them to lead um, and to, um, to really be who God wants them to be there teachers, because we need that. We need teaching there. We need, you know what we need. So pray for them. Um, pray for God's perfect will to be fulfilled. Um, this is a very strategic moment for us, and f well, not for us, for the Lord, for this country, for these countries. And so just partner with us in that. This coming Saturday is First Saturday Prayer. You'll get the directive in a couple of days, but it is going to be centered around this point of ministry. We're not having prayer on Wednesday night. We will have already traveled and we'll be just getting there. But we do ask that on Wednesday, we're not having prayer in here. But please just be before the Lord and pray. Maybe we'll do a Marco Polo. We'll try to connect the best that we can. But just pray for travel, pray for that everything functions and works. Pray for there to be a free flow of the Spirit. Pray that there's no interruptions, there's, no, you know, there's just nothing that hinders what God wants to do. Um, amen? Amen. Um, and pray that as we intercede with them, that we hear clearly the directives of the Lord because um, we need that clarity. And so we are going to stand with them as the friend of the bridegroom, bridegroom to, to hear and to obey. And so um, thank you so much for that. Thank you to those who have already submitted insights. If the Lord shows you something or gives you something, feel free to send it to me. Um, uh, Florida did a, a five-fold this last week, um, Zach's parents' church. And they sent it, the, the declarations to me yesterday. It's a seven-fold declaration. We'll be releasing that when we go to them, before them. They're, they're releasing it this morning in Florida, so we're so thankful for that. But for those of you that have already submitted insights about this particular point of ministry, thank you. And let's see. Oh, lastly, we're going to be Zooming the sessions. If anybody is interested in connecting, just reach out, okay? And we will send you the Zoom link. We're not gonna just make it available to everyone. If you're interested, we would love for you to be a part of that, to be a part of that Zoom. We begin on Friday morning, and we'll go through Friday evening, all day Saturday, and then we'll conclude on Sunday at noon. Um, remember, they're seven hours ahead. So for the evening session, oh, it'll work for them. <laughs> Because we're seven hours ahead, so it'll be early here. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking you'd have to stay up really late, but you don't. See how good God is <laughs> to, work out, to work that out? So anyway, thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm so excited to go. I don't want to leave here because I never want to leave here. But I always want to go where the Father's sending. So thank you for your prayers, and we will see you not next Sunday, but the following week.
thank you so much. Um, it's, um, I, we were reflecting on the, the times of prayer we've had thus far this year. You know, we had uh, five weeks leading up to our seminar here. We had seven weeks leading up to Brazil. And uh, of course, we just got back from there. Um, but we did something a bit different this time, like we just had, uh, I'm engaged in a, in a Daniel fast personally. I don't know what Monica's doing. I know the people over there are praying. Um, you know, we should all be a people of prayer. We thank you for your praying. Uh, the, the problem with having so many organized prayer times back to back that is that as people, people kind of lose their, their sharpness. If you do something all the time, it loses its, it loses its uh, directive purpose. But we do ask you to, to pray, and uh, we thank you for that. Um, let's see. There's one other thing I wanted to say about that. Oh, well, there it goes. Um, we do um, we do ask the Lord to bless each of you. Every one of you is in a in a really unique situation in your life, and um, God is with you in a powerful way. And I, um, you know, I we continue to pray with and for Ava, and we we know, we see the the miracle power of the Lord functioning. In, in her and in her family, and God's working something wonderful there. I mean, we don't often understand why things happen the way they do or how they happen. I'm always mystified by that in my life. Some of the greatest miracles that God has done and continues to do, he never asked my counsel about it. It just kind of happens as we continue to walk. And I, you know, I see Monica M&M, and uh, God is transitioning you in a wonderful way. It's, uh, I'm, I'm really blessed by your confidence in him and your willingness to walk in faith. But we declare over you the continued favor of the Lord, his confidence, his peace, and that God will lead you into the next phase of development in the things that he has for your life. In Jesus' name. And Zach, we continue to pray for you had a lot of interviews recently, have some more different things this week, and um, not only as a part of this church, but as part of my family, I'm very interested in what God's doing there. Well, we speak blessing over you and Katie, and that uh, the Lord's door that he has, you'll just know it in his timing, and it will be perfect. And for all of you, for all of you, whatever it is that you're walking in right now, God is with you. And um, just be, uh, be open to see his hand. You are not normal people. Abby, somebody. <laughs> you're, you are not, you are, you are the ecclesia of the Lord. And you've been given, <laughs> you put an ab, no, I'm doing this for Tammy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what he's talking about. We'll seek the prophetic counsel of Tammy after service. She'll, she'll help you understand that. Um, you, you've been given a responsibility, and the, 
The presence of the Lord is with you, and you're reaching the world by what you're doing and standing with God. And, and um, I appreciate each of you, and I know that the Lord so much more does, and his blessing is with you. You are not alone, but you're not just a rank-and-file person, as wonderful as those are. You, are. you are a choice servants of the Lord, and he is with you. So don't forget that, and know that God is, is uh, watching out for you, and his blessing is upon you and with you. And before I ask Brother Les to come, today is Pastor Fabian's birthday, so he's around here somewhere, but we speak blessing over Pastor Fabian, so if you see him, um, I would sing, but I don't even know what he's doing right. He could be changing a diaper right now, so our singing would be pointless. Maybe he needs some singing. I've seen some of those diapers, um, but anyway, if you see him, tell him. Happy birthday. Amen? Amen. All right. It's time for the morning tithe and offering. Well, is there one more thing? Oh, boy. We're going to have a, a double portion offering today. We've got... Give me your money. <laughs> Just decent. Trish gave a wonderful Sunday school lesson this morning, and she was talking about how we were not to boast in our wealth. And um, if you haven't listened to that, I, well, of course, if you weren't in there, I just want to encourage everybody to listen to that. It was really good. She talked about boasting in the Lord, and that's not why I'm up here. Um, as soon as I got back to my seat, I mentioned Olivia Zafu. She's in Switzerland, and she, of course, is very faithful to come to the gathering that we always have in France. And um, how many of you know Olivia? Olivia, yeah. And so she just texted, and she said that she's scheduled to, to fly this week, I think on Thursday, and they've announced a strike. Yeah. So she asked specifically for prayer. So I am asking you all to be praying for her. Is there one or two people that would just be willing just to, Stacy, just to really just stand with her and Ruby on behalf of that? Tricia, thank you so much. And if, yeah, she, yeah. So that's just what I wanted to say. You know, the enemy... He's relentless, but he's not going to win. She will be in France, and she, yeah, we love you, Olivia. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Everybody good? Hallelujah. So, um, God is good, is he not? So I'll be uh, flying out to Santa Barbara on Friday and helping Noah and Amber get packed up and then making the long drive yet again back from the left coast to Dallas, Texas. So be um, in prayer for our safety. Amen. So um, it's time to receive the morning tithe and offering. If you've not prepared yours, you can do that now. And I just want to read one passage to you out of Philippians 4 verses, actually verse 19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. What does all mean? All, right? So... Um, 
the, be, be in prayer for, um, for, for our family this week. We've got to move my mom from C.C. Young, which she's been there for about two weeks, to uh, a care home that she's going to be um, residing in now. And that's always a difficult, um, it's a difficult move, right? You get in one place and you get used to the routine and the, and the people and all. And um, it's just hard, you know, it's disruptive. So just be in prayer that she will be um, at peace. She's very peaceful right now. I mean, very happy and content. Uh, but just that that contentment and that happiness will um, follow her to her new home. And I just want to thank the Lord for his financial provision. Uh, he's, he's just provided um, miraculously. That's really the only way I can say. I mean, it truly has been a miraculous point of provision. Um, in, in, in our family specifically, on Monica's mom and dad's side, on, on our side, the Lord is just good. And he... He knows your every need. And so I just thank him for meeting all of y'all's needs and for meeting our needs. Amen. Bring your tithes and offerings down to the drum of plenty. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was reading this passage that says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. And I think about his riches in glory and our needs. And you think about the scale, you know, the, 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 scale of the scales of justice. And you think about his riches and glory on one side of the scale and our needs on the other side of the scale. How often do we feel like our needs outweigh, you know, anybody's provision? And it's, it's almost um, comical because if somebody drew a picture, a comic of that, you know, the, 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 the riches and glory of, of, of the Lord, you know, so outweigh anything that we have need of. Who, who are we to even doubt that he can provide, right? I mean, when, when we doubt, I think it's, it's showing to some extent a lack of faith. And um, he can and will, and his word says, he will supply your every need. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I love, Rose, I love the cheering section. Hallelujah. <laughs> Everybody extend your hands with me towards the tithe and the offering and we'll pray. Lord, we, we um, you know, we as a people, uh, humans, we confess, Lord, that sometimes we, we don't see where there's a way. Um, but you make a way where there is no way, especially when we put our faith and our confidence and our trust completely in your hands. And, Father, we do trust um, that you know best for all of us, that you know uh, our days. You're the only one that knows the number of our days, the beginning from the end. You know every need we have, and you say in your word that you make provision for our every need. And we thank you for that. Father, we also uh, bring forth our tithe and our offering now to the drum of plenty. 
Father, we do this out of obedience and with a cheerful heart, and we ask that you would just bless these gifts, these tithes, these offerings, and uh, may there always be enough, and we know that there will be, and we thank you for that. Father, we do ask just a continued um, blessing upon our team that will be traveling to France. Lord, you will make a way for Olivia Zafus. I know that even now. We'll continue to pray for her. But Lord, for the team uh, that's leaving from this house tomorrow to travel, Lord, just keep them safe and under the shadow of your wing. Lord, give them uh, protection, safe passage, smooth their way, show them favor, give them grace and just um, make their journey um, a blessing to them and to you. Father, we uh, glorify you. We, we, we bless you for all you are for us and all you do for us. And we do ask, Lord, that you would uh, be with Pastor and Monica and those that are, have teaching um, ministry in France, that you would just give them the words to speak, Lord, for the saints there in France. You know what they have need of, Lord. Make that provision now. Uh, encourage our teachers, our preachers, our prophets. Encourage, bless, anoint, and use them mightily. Bless Pastor now, Lord, as he brings forth your word to us. And um, we just give you thanks for your word and for the learning that your Holy Spirit brings to us through it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, everybody. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 23. We're going to talk about something in regard to Jesus' cross that, to me, is one of the hidden treasures that is in the Scripture. And... Um, I am praying that the Lord will help me to communicate it. It's something that's going to be written on in many forms. But uh, I, I just thought that this is what we should share today. So Luke 23, beginning at verse 26. And let's, we'll read this first verse, and then we will uh, talk for a minute, and then we'll read the next verses. And as they led Jesus away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. This isn't the main topic of um, our discussion today, but this is a very interesting um, very interesting and compelling thing that the Spirit did in uh, employing this man who was a Cyrenian. Um, this little place called Cyrene was part of Libya. And it wasn't called Libya at that time. But it was basically <clears throat> a place that had been set aside and protected by a man named Ptolemy I, who was one of Alexander the Great's generals. And um, he went and had rule after, Alexandria, after Alexander of Judea 
and much of the northern part of Africa. And what he did there was to instill the Greek culture in, in those areas. And what he did particularly in this part of the world that is known as, was known as Cyrene at that point was welcome great numbers of Jewish people. And um, Cyrene was very much a, a, a strongly Jewish-laden area of North Africa. And in this, this could have been one of the factors that led the interpretation, well, the, the translation of the Old Testament scriptures into Greek, because um, not only in North Africa, but in so many other places in the world, um, these folks went, amalgamed into different cultures, but they still wanted to be um, conversant with the things of the scriptures, so it was translated into, into Greek. So this man, um, who the Bible says his name was Simon, was one of these individuals. And he made his pilgrimage. In fact, um, it was estimated that a, that a very significant percentage of the people that were in Jerusalem at Pentecost were from this particular part of the world. And um, it, it, it's so interesting that this is the man that out of all the people that have ever lived on earth, that the Lord, that God in his infinite wisdom would set as someone who would carry the cross of Christ. <clears throat> and um, I think that speaks a lot about the intertestamental period. It speaks a lot about the, the things that we benefited from in our New Testament, studying the Greek, um, the Greek texts. Um, there's, there's so much meaning to this guy and this, this, what he represented in the spreading, what would be the spreading of the gospel to the Gentile church, um, that I, I just think it's, it's just something significant. So this wasn't just some guy that was, that was there and they were looking for the, somebody strong that they could grab and um, put into service. This was something that the Lord from the foundation of the world had ordained. And I don't know, I, I don't know anything about this man other than the fact that he had the privilege of, of all privileges to, to carry that cross of Jesus. But this is where he was from, and um, he very much represented the Hellenistic expanse into the Jewish community and what would then set the, the stage for uh, Paul going to the Gentile churches and being able to speak and write and, and script the, the wonderful things that we have in the New Testament from the, from the Greek uh, language. But that all came from Alexander the Great's influence and then Ptolemy I, and uh, he really was someone who um, welcomed the Jewish culture and in many ways protected it there on the coast of, of North Africa. So if... Um, if uh, the Jerusalem Jews, many of them wanted to, to uh, 
to get rid of Christ. Not all of them, but many of them did. Um, here was this man that had traveled from a Hellenistic outpost, and God said, well, the, the gospel's coming to you, so you have the privilege of carrying the cross. I, I just think that's very interesting, and um, that's not our message for the day, but when, once this man got the cross, and that symbolizes us carrying the cross into, into the places that the Father would, would send us, but at that point, when this man took the burden of carrying the cross, now we come to what the Lord really put on my heart to share with you. Verse 27 of Luke 23. There followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. These two words meant to, to beat your chest and to be very physically demonstrative and also to, to yell out. To, to, to make very loud um, pronouncements with uh, your, your voice. And Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? As I said a minute ago, as I've been studying this, what Jesus said here is one of the most phenomenal divine expressions so filled with prophetic fulfillment and intent, I listed out 10 major factors that Jesus referred to prophetically from other parts in the scripture, just in these words, and what he was going to accomplish through the power of his cross. Um, most people have read this and thought that Jesus was looking at these women and saying, you know, you're going to have your hands full over these next 30 years because uh, in about uh, 35 years, this city's going to be destroyed and um, the treasures of the temple are going to be toted away to Rome. It's going to be instrumental in building the Colosseum. And, but that, that's really not what he was talking about. Um, we, we often read this and commentators, commentators will say that but point by point here, these words in red are, are one of the most, I, I'm just stunned by how God could say all these things at that unique moment where Jesus was marred and had been beaten and was, his face was just pummeled by this point. And then, then God could say these things at that moment. Is, is incredible. So let's talk about a couple of them. We'll end up, at the, before we go into the communion time, looking at verse 31. But let's set the stage a little bit here because it really is, it really is phenomenal. It's just absolutely phenomenal. Verse 30, where he says that they'll begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and the hills cover us. Why does he say that? 
You know, there are three main places in the Bible where that, that scenario is referenced. We often would talk about it uh, regarding the book of Revelation and all those southern gospel songs that talk about, uh, what was that one? They will cry to the mountains, saying, mountains fall on me. They'll be weeping, wailing, and it, where will I be when it comes? And, uh, and so it's referenced there. But the main one that Jesus is quoting is from Hosea 10. And those of you who are students of Bible history know that this was a reference to, uh, from the, the prophet Hosea about what Jeroboam had done in Bethel. And the Bible speaks about Jeroboam, who his claim to fame was, the scripture says, teaching Israel to sin. And Jeroboam, of course, was um, someone who grew in, in uh, prominence under the reign of Solomon. And he was known for being able to you know, if, if today we have union organizers. Um, Jeroboam was, was kind of that. He could organize the rank and file to work, and he was very proficient at that. He gained a lot of favor among the people because he could, he could recruit people to do this job and to that job, and he became very popular. And at, at a certain point, he was able to become king of the ten tribes of, of Israel. But what he did was just an abominable thing, just, just horrible. He decided that he was going to set up a competitive type of Judaism with what was going on in the other, uh, the Levites and in, in, in Judah. And so he set up two main parts of uh, worship one on the coast in the tribe of Dan, and the other at Bethel. And he, he, he had graven, uh, he, had, he had made uh, golden calves in both of those places, and he just broke every ordinance of the law, and, and he, he recruited people. I said he had a gift of, of recruiting, and the Bible says that he recruited some of the lowest people in all of the land. Uh, you can make your own determination as to what that meant. But they were unskilled. They were not devoted to God. Uh, they probably just had a way with people. And he made them like the priests. And he resurrected the high places to the demonic. And he put that structure of of the, the mountains and the hills and the groves, which is, a, which is a threefold progression that's found throughout the Old Testament. We're probably, uh, well, I know definitely part of what our seminar is in September is going to be focused on spiritual warfare among the nations, and we're going to explore that progression that is everywhere in the Old Testament. It's the demonic structure. Well, Jeroboam employed that, and he, he, he really was devoting himself to wickedness. And so um, there's the famous story from 1 Kings 13 where God spoke to 
an unknown, unnamed prophet and told him to go to Bethel where Jeroboam was offering incense on one of these altars. On the, on the west and the east side, he was on the east side of his new kingdom and he was burning incense. And this prophet was supposed to go and not spend any time fellowshipping with anybody and that that he, he failed that later. We're not going to go that far in, in the lesson. Um, but and why would God say that? Because, you know, when you, when you get around people, familiarity breeds contempt. And, and especially if there's evil going on, you don't, you don't try to placate that. You know, you don't sit in the seat of the scorner. And, and it's, it's very difficult just in traveling in ministry to to begin to fellowship with people, it's a fine line where you want to, to love people and you want to spend time with them, but they all want to be your friend and they all want to get to know you more and pretty soon there's a lot of fellowship and you, you're picking up on things that they're doing and, and they're not doing and you kind of lose your edge. And so Jesus told his disciples even, you know, don't salute anybody on the way. You, you, it's a fine line how to be effective when you go forth in ministry because once, you know, once people thought that they were equal with Moses, that was it. Once people thought they were equal with Jesus, they could confront him and tell him not to go up to Jerusalem. And, you know, you, you, just, you just have to be very careful. But there was so much evil in Jeroboam's uh, kingdom that God told this young man, you know, you, you get in there, you do what I'm telling you to do, and you get out. And so he comes where, where Jeroboam is offering up the, you know, incense on this altar, and there's a, there's a graven image there that he had, that he had made. And the prophet cries out, O altar, altar. And he uses the term kara, which means... He was speaking on behalf of what God's true altar of incense was. And he uses the double issuance of that word altar. And um, he, then, he then gave a scathing rebuke about what, what was going on there. And the king, um, and he even prophesied something that was going to happen well over 300 years later about a, a king named Josiah was going to raise up, and God was going to raise up, and that um, those that were offering sacrifices on this altar, that even that king Josiah was going to get their bones, and he was going to burn them and scatter those ashes. Um, it, and, and that did happen. I mean, you read about it, but this was over 300 years to come. And Jeremiah, Jeroboam got so mad that he stretched forth his hand to try to stop this guy. And remember what happened? His hand, Jeroboam's hand, withered up and shriveled up. And the altar split in half and the ashes poured out. And Jeroboam then cried out and says, Oh, restore me, restore me. And this young prophet prayed and God restored this guy's hand and then Jeroboam said, hey, why don't you come and eat with us? You know, why don't you come? And the, and the young man left. But part of, part of what um, Hosea speaks about, where this is, where Jesus basically quotes, was something in reference to what happened there in 
Beth Avon, which is the, the place of, of demonstrable iniquity where Jeroboam taught people to sin, or taught Israel to, to just profane. And of all the things that Jesus could reference at this time, when he had been beaten, where he had endured all of these things, and the cross then was given over to Simon, for Jesus to say this then is very interesting. And this business of uh, the mountains and the hills, um, if you look at what Hosea speaks about, it, it really talks about how that the mountains in the demonic realm was to provide kind of like a, a household. In fact, it uses a word that's well known in Spanish, casa. And, and so you would become part of the household of the enemy, in, according to the mountains. And then you would then gain strength and support uh, from the hills to fall on in the Old Testament was the mobilization of an army or supply to come. Here Jesus describes that. He uses different Greek words, but it's repeated over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Same progression, same words in the Old Testament that that's what Jesus is referencing. So he's talking about how Israel had given themselves over to worship other gods and had abandoned what God had really wanted for them. And he was talking about how the demonic structure was in place. And this was, this was these, even, these terms come and, and uh, uh, cover us and fall on us were, were almost the agreement that the enemy offered to the people, whether it was Baal or whether it was Dagon, whoever it was, it was the same structure. So here, leading to the cross, Jesus is talking about how uh, the enemy thinks that he has taken over and he has really defiled what I have said to my people, what I've said should be. And, and Jesus even references the, the, uh, the enemy sales pitch to all these various regions among all these tribes. And what a thing for our Lord Jesus to be saying as he's approaching the cross. Why did he do that? Because the power of the cross and the power of his sacrifice was going to forevermore destroy what the enemy was trying to do. If the, if the principalities and powers of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. How they didn't know, I don't know. Here he is saying right here, I know what you've been doing. I know how you've hoodwinked my people all these, all these uh, centuries and this, this I'm addressing right now. It's interesting, too, that not very many days before, Jesus had also wept over Jerusalem. You remember that? And what he did was, he said, how often would God have drawn you to him as a hen gathers his chicks? And you've persecuted my prophets, and you've rejected my ways with an outstretched hand. And Jesus wept over the missed opportunity that these people whom he loved were, were re rejecting. And so here he says to these women, hey, don't weep for me. You need to be joining in what I was weeping about. You need to be joining about your children and you need to be weeping about what's going on here as you are rejecting what God's plan is. 
You've, you've allowed the enemy to rule in this land for far too long. And I'm addressing his, his salesmanship offer here. And it's very interesting that he's saying these things. Well, what else does he say? He says, behold, the days are coming. And again, some people would say, oh, yeah, you're prophesying the hard times that are coming upon the people of Israel. Well, hard times were coming. But this isn't really what he's talking about here. And if you study what the Scripture says over and over again, this threefold progression here is what God always wanted for his people. And now look what it says. Behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, blessed. This is the word makarios. This is a word that means absolutely happy and fulfilled because you are participating in what God wants and you will lack nothing. Everything is wonderful if you are really knowing. In fact, the Bible says that God is the blessed God and uses this term. His plan is to bless you and not to curse you. His plan is for you to partner with him so that you lack nothing and you're happy in the Lord. So this is the term that Jesus says. Let's read this this way, verse 29. The days are coming where they will say, happy and delighted and fulfilled, lacking nothing, will be the barren. What is the barren? Now this again is a unique reference to several Old Testament promises. I was, I was doing a, a study this past week about the term barren in the Old Testament. And this, the word that is used to describe um, Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Hannah and Samson's mother all was a word that stemmed from the Aramaic. So in other words, what all of Abraham's old relatives were that were living in, in the coasts of what would be Israel, whatever language they talked, the Hebrew word for barren came out of this word. And that word means this. A tree that's root system was still alive and vibrant. But if the tree had been cut down or damaged by storm or damaged by fire, it might look like it had no life in it, but the root was still alive. And that root then could generate the identity of the tree. That's what barren is in the Old Testament. And isn't that what God has called us to do? Isn't that really our mission with the estemi of the Lord? Isn't that our mission as saints who are believing for the restoration of what God intends? Isn't that what the Gentile church is supposed to be? Uh, a branch that is grafted in to the what? The, the tree, the root system. The axe was laid to the root, but the root is still alive. The root of what God wants and as we go around the world through the power of the cross, and as I said, we're going to talk about that in a minute, and it's really powerful what Jesus said there in verse 31. We recognize that we're not just preaching words as powerful as the Scripture is. 
We have been sent with the power of the cross to tell people, establish the kingdom where God has called you to serve. He's paid the price for that. Dig into the Hestemi deposits, the glory that is there in the earth, because that is the root of the Lord. It is what God wants to, to have spring forth. And that's the essence of barrenness in the Old Testament. So Jesus says, the days are coming when it's going to be said, blessed, happy, delighted, in partnership with God, are those who are right now looking like they don't have anything. Sounds like taking God's hand, the first part of taking God's hand, the emptiness. Because that barrenness is going to show forth what God has ordained from the foundation of the world. The second is the wombs that had not born to this point. What is this area right here in our life? The area where the, the friend, the area of the belly where rivers of living water are going to flow, the area of truth, the area of the ma'ah, the area of, of being sensitive to the Lord and partnering with him. So you've got barrenness, and then you've got this area. And then you have the last, the, the paps which never gave suck, never had the opportunity to bring supply or to bring the fulfillment or to begin to teach the young that are born out of this process, to see them grow and develop and then to become what they should be and to see the, the distribution of the goods after the stronghold has been taken. It will be said of them, blessed are these three things, the taproot, the birthing, and the fulfillment and the supply. This is incredible what Jesus is saying. All at this moment, can you, under, can you grasp this? You know, Isaiah said, we, we couldn't look at him. His face was so marred. He, he was just, he was unrecognizable. We turned, as it were, our faces from him. He'd been beaten. He'd been falsely accused. He had that crown of thorns on, blood streaming down him. And, and he falls under the weight of the cross. And then this man, who was in a, in a Grecian outpost, a Hellenistic Jew, is asked to carry the cross. And he turns to these women, and he begins to say these things, point by point by point. This is a divine proclamation. It's just in these few verses alone of what Jesus came to do. He is making a statement into the spirit realm. He's speaking back throughout Old Testament history. He's speaking into the way the enemy had ravaged the people through demonic worship. He's speaking to uh, individuals that had rejected God's plan over and over again, that he wept about, and that he told these women, you need to be weeping in conjunction with me about what's happening right now. And then he speaks about the fulfillment of, uh, as opposed to what the enemy had offered, the fulfillment of what God really wanted from the root of the tree, the root of what God was intending in his people. And, and he said, because of what I'm going to do, people are going to say, what a blessing that now uh, where I've been barren, I can access the root of God's intent where my central part, the womb of my life, the place that, that can be born again very soon through the sacrifice on the cross, 
that now it can be active to bring forth what God Almighty has always wanted to do through individuals and through people. And then the supply that will go forth, the fruits and the provision. What a wonderful thing. Jesus says all of this in these few moments. Only God could do something like that. Only God. This is one of the most profound, prophetic, divine declarations that we will find anywhere in the Word of God. But I'll just be honest with you. Throughout my growing up in the church, my training, I don't think I ever preached on this, but I would think that most people who read this were, were saying, you know what, there's going to be hard times coming for you here in Jerusalem. Can you hear the footsteps of the Roman Ninth? They're on the way. You're going to be sold off. The whole city's going to be obliterated. Not one stone is going to be upon the other. We often think that this is what Jesus was talking about. But point by point by point, those things were going to be true. But point by point here, he's talking about the vitality of what he was offering to people in a way that reflected as to how it had been perverted throughout God's attempt over and over and over again to cause his people to come into partnership with him. But then it says, verse 31, and how it's written there, and I appreciate the King James. What a monumental task. Um, but how it's written there might cause us to interpret it in a different way. But in the flow of this context, verse 31 in King James, it says, For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? Now, as I translate this, I would say it this way as they, or because they do these things in a green tree, what powerful things will be done in the dry? Now, what is the green tree? Well, green there is a word that is only used here in the New Testament. Only time. It's a one-off. And it, it is a word that means totally and completely functioning in the supply of water and nourishment. And that's really important. Uh, Jesus is describing himself as being a fulfillment of, of a tree of righteousness. And, and, and I love that. Tree here is only, it, it's, it's the word that is used to describe the tree of life. This word is only used to describe the cross and the tree of life. Now, there is a reference to um, an idol that was made out of this, which was a demonic trick. And there was also a word that was used to describe the flexibility of a particular yoke. But in every other, in every other dimension, it only spoke of the tree of life in paradise and the cross of Christ. It's used several times to describe the cross. So Jesus is really talking about what he's going to offer and how that's going to make possible our partnership with God in what the tree of life is supposed to do. But what shall be done in the dry? How is this going to affect the dry places? Do you know that a, a rough percentage of how this word was used 
was uh, probably 80% or 85% of the times this was used in the New Testament spoke about somebody with a withered hand or at the pool of Bethesda, those who had withered limbs um, or, or just an emaciated part of their body. Um, it it's, did speak once about dry places uh, for that the Pharisees would go out and look even in very barren places to, to, to raise up a convert. But it really does, though, mention more of restoring something that was created for a different purpose, but had become emaciated, and so that it could then be restored to fullness. And in this, to me, very clearly, Jesus is saying, this sacrifice that I am offering as a demonstration of God's purpose for men and women. What, what, I am, what I am, you are supposed to be as trees of righteousness. But I'm offering this sacrifice to mobilize that, that capacity. And, and as that happens, because that happens, it, it's, it's, it's beyond your ability to discern what will manifest itself in the dry places, in the withered places, in the places where such a thing has been prohibited. Or, um, you know, we read a lot about preparing the way of the Lord in the, the, the desert places made as a fruitful plain, those places that are dry now becoming as a, as a paradise. And, and so, to me... I was I, as I've read this, and I see just in these four short verses, uh, I, I, I'm astounded at how the Lord, Son of Man, Son of God, could say all of these things, these profound, deep concepts, one after another, after another just absolutely describing and debunking the enemy system, talking about how people had, had lived below their privilege that God created them as humans to know in conjunction with the spirit realm, talking about the, the selling points of the demonic and, and just absolutely rid, ridiculing and e eradicating them, and then to talk about the basically the function of what we're to be as trees of righteousness, uh, having right to the tree of life, and how that, that functionality fully flowing in the water of the Lord uh, will bring uh, victory into dry places. What shall be done in the dry? How can we imagine what all will be done in the, in the withered places? It, it's, it's just mind-boggling. And it's one of those mysteries of, of uh, the interpretation of the scripture where um, it in some ways has been hidden under um, an obvious interpretation or something that has been doctrinally taught over and over again. In all fairness, I can understand how that would be. But when you, when you pray and God says, look at this, look at this, look at this, apply this pneumaticos definition, look at this scripture, look at this scripture, remember this concept, remember that concept. Um, this guy that taught Israel, taught Israel how to sin. 
I'm going to eradicate that teaching right now. I'm going to reference Hosea 10, and I'm also going to speak about it again in the book of Revelation when, I'm, when John and I are talking. But, but right here, no more. I, I just think this is phenomenal. And if anything, you know, Trish was talking about our boast being in the Lord. I'm boasting on what the Lord said here in these verses. I'm just astounded. And again, you know, he, 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 can you imagine how much pain he was enduring? How much demonic attack was coming? Uh, how, how, how he had been ridiculed and beaten and, and just absolutely worn and the cross is given to another man to carry, which is prophetically vital. And then he launches into this. Only God could do that. Only God could speak this. It's profound beyond words. And Jesus, in these few verses, basically gives us the theme of the cross why he was offering this sacrifice and what God was going to do through it to, in, to, to eliminate the demonic structure, to bring vitality into what God created us fearfully and wonderfully to do for him, to see the, the power of the Spirit uh, in the blessing of the Lord upon people who would embrace that, to see uh, the, the vitality of the cross in all of its dimensions, and the tree of life in heaven, which the leaves thereof bring healing to the nations, and the things we've been understanding about how that, how that really demonstrates the walk of a son and an intercessor, <clears throat> all of these things and more, Jesus says in these four short written in red verses, in his horrific state physically with the with the crucifixion immediately ahead. Only our God could do something like that. It's, it's just phenomenal. And so as, as we come before uh, this communion time today and we, and we uh, partake together, I, I proclaim over all of you that... Um, we will really embrace, hear this in a right way, the divine power of weeping over the places that God is sending us where God wants to turn them from missing the mark into accepting the mark of the high calling and to, to really, as indigenous sons and daughters in the land, to begin to apply these powerful things that God is offering and needing in these days. Let our intercession be so moved upon by the Spirit and so deep that, that we, will, we will be able to instruct these people not to miss the moment. And, and we pray that the anointing would be such that they would accept him and move forward in him that they would walk into that, and that we would walk in that point of happy partnership with God as, as we in ourselves 
tap into the identity of the Lord that he's created us to know, and that we would then teach this and do it even here, but do it around the world as God leads us so that that barren place would become active in the root of God's identity and that there would be people that would begin to flow in the power of the Spirit within, that their spirit would pray in, in unknown and diverse tongues and speaking the mysteries of the Lord, and that they would bear truth, and that they would bring forth uh, a, a, a birthing, and that they would uh, bring forth the rivers out of that place of living water, and that there would be uh, that measure of, of provision then, of teaching the young, of caring for the young, and teaching them then how to raise up uh, mighty ones for the Lord, and to see the fruitfulness and the blessing come. We receive that for ourselves, that we would function it, but that we would also have the power to impart it and to teach it. And then as we go into many different places and we begin to teach on the principles of standing in the gap, taking your cross, doing spiritual warfare, um, repentance activations and declaring at the gates and at the various places the power of the Lord, welcoming the kingdom, preaching Christ, that the demonic structure would just collapse and that they would know the true God, that the people would know the true God, and that we would be those as saints who have right to the tree of life by the river of God and to the fruits thereof, and that we would function as trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Um, all of these things are right here. And it's, it's bought by the faithfulness of our Lord at the cross of Christ. And I just think it's interesting. It's almost like, you know, he turned to the women. He, he turned to these women. But Simon, with that cross, had to be also receiving this declaration. Just as we, as we carry our cross under the direction of our Father, this is our declaration. These things are all things that Christ was paying for at that very moment. And once again, only God could say all these things in that moment, under that duress, under that emaciated state of sacrifice. This is phenomenal. This is just an amazing thing. And these are PowerPoints that each of us, each of you, in these days as we go throughout the world making disciples, every one of these things is our message. Every one of these things are things that most have never heard before. Every one of these things are like treasures that are being opened in our time that we can say, come, let us reason together. And as Paul did in so many ways, sit down amongst people and say, let's consider the scriptures together. Let's look at this. Let's see this. Let us tell you what God has shown. We'll listen to what he's shown you as well. But look at what Jesus said here. So we need an empowerment for this. This communion time, I'm inviting all of us to give thanks to our Lord Jesus for his perfect sacrifice. And just about the time that we, that we may have thought, 
well, I think we that we don't think this anymore. Oh, we we know all these verses. We've preached them so many times. We've seen it. Oh, you know, thank God we know this. Uh, just about the time you think that, then the Spirit says, "Hey, take a better look right here. Look at look at this." I think we need to thank the Lord for this, and I think we need to say, Father, thank you for what you've done through Christ. Thank you for what you've provided here. Give us a greater empowerment of your Spirit for these days to teach, to impart, and to see the power of these various factors known in the world, known in people, known in nations. This is this just a wonderful thing. So we thank the Lord for his sacrifice. None of us would be born again without this. That's the most important thing of all, but it's a beginning point. You hold a new baby in, in your arms. Maybe you had a grandchild or a child, and all of you were babies at one point. Hopefully, we're not still babies. And you don't think, well, thank God we've got him now, or we've got her now. Who thinks that? Don't you begin to think, okay, Lord, bless this one to what they need to become. Let them grow in you. Let them always live their life. You look forward. And so this table, yes, it's essential to celebrate what Christ did so that we can be born again. It doesn't stop there. It's the beginning point. And with all the other things that God has shown us in the Word about this wonderful table and how wonderful that plethora of insights is, today when we come, we thank God for those, yes. But we also now begin to say, what meaneth this? What, what have you shown us in your Word today? And how is that power and that efficacy going to manifest itself through us as we continue to go into the nations, as we continue to go to the places that God has ordained, as we continue to go to those people who have been crying out to God for this message that God has entrusted to you. God, help us to represent you. God, help us not to miss any factor of what you've given us to share. And, and I, I think that, yes, our hearts are filled with thankfulness. Our hearts are filled with, with, uh, with just love for the Lord, for what he's done. But my heart is filled to say, as I come to this table today, I see these things in your word. I cannot deny them. I will not deny them. They're blazing. It's like a fire shut up within me. We need the power of each one of these factors in a way beyond anything we've known, as glorious as that knowing has been. This is the time. This is the time where, where God is bringing all things all things to a conclusion. And we are blessed to be living in them. But we need this further efficacy that Christ paid for. So I encourage you to read those passages again. You'll hear at least probably a couple of sessions in, this, in the seminar in September 
a, a, a kind of like a, a hierarchy list. We're, I'm linking the the power progressions in the New Testament that we've studied years ago and the principality listings, linking them up with this. And it's really fascinating what God is showing. Why do we need that? Because <laughs> it's all coming to a head now. And, and I'm so grateful that God has entrusted this to you and to me. So we thank the Lord, but there's power at this table. Now, I don't know what else you need in your life. I don't know what it is that you may be lacking, what point of grace needs to be imparted to you, but I know that this table has an endless supply. And I ask that when you are here and when you take these elements and you begin to commune with the Lord, that God would just fill you with a heightened measure of understanding and that he'll provide for everything you need that healings would be released in this place, in your body, in your mind, in your life, that favor, that provision, that every good and perfect gift from our Father would be manifested in the exact way that you need today, that he will restore, that he will encourage, that he will replenish. But for me, all those things, yes, I'm thankful for but that he will outfit us and prepare us and impart to us a heightened measure from his word of his power and the meaning of why Christ came beyond what we've known so that we can be those good and faithful servants who are representing the kingdom in the places that we're going, even the places that we've not even heard of yet that are soon to open. We need this. You need this. And so let's thank the Lord for it, and let's receive it. Father, as we enter into a time of worship now in this communion time, I ask you that your spirit that is so vibrantly here would embrace each of us. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself. Thank you for suffering and dying and ever living for us. Thank you for these words. Help us to understand them even more clearly and empower us today for your service as we come before this table. We thank you for it, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.